Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody to Left at the Light. I'm your host as always. My name is Matt, uh, and we are closing in on the end of season two. So the seasons, as I put them together, I like to get 10 businesses per season. Uh, first season, we had 11 episodes, uh, one of them being two parts. Uh, that was a Bantu Arts Fusion, good friends of ours. And uh, season two, we are, this would be the ninth episode of the season. Um, and we got one more to go after that. And then uh, I will take a tiny break for myself and start really in that break. I'm kind of getting moving on season three. But I will tell you this, that season three um, is already, I already have four episodes ready to go for season three. Um, really after I do the recording of the episode, uh, I kind of wait until, you know, uh, roughly the week weekend before to record the intro and the outro of each episode, just because at that time I can talk about some, uh, some more current events, so to speak, um, things that are going on in the community that maybe I want to bring up or something that's going on with a previous episode, um, business or person so uh then we can at least keep that somewhat within a reasonable timeline uh this this episode is with studio d i recorded this one a while back um and before we get going on studio d there's a, a one thank you i want to give out to uh jen uh who got me in connection with studio d and a couple of our other episodes um some that are going to be coming during the season three period um i, I don't want to like shout out her last name but she knows who she is she listens um she's a fan and uh she knows how much i appreciate uh legwork that she has done to get me in touch with businesses and um promoting these this uh podcast as well so uh very important to me and it's so awesome that you are a part of what we're doing here and support it so um thank you jen um, and thank you to all of our past businesses. Um, I, I try to make sure that I show my appreciation to all of you guys. Um, it's so cool to um, meet some of you after the fact because a lot of these are done over Zoom. Um, as you can tell on certain episodes that um, we we have done a majority of these over Zoom because of the current situation. Um, we've had a couple occasions where I've been able to go out and do something in person uh, and bring my, my little bit of equipment with me and, uh, do a, uh, face-to-face -face interview, which is, uh, the case in this one in Studio D. I got to talk to Tom at Studio D person to person, face to face. Um, and this is, I, I think one of the more informative, uh, episodes that we've had. Um, you know, when we, when we talk about some of these, you know, you get a, you get into a story that uh, is quite interesting and there's a lot of different information on this one to really take in. Um, you know, I know that Tom is someone that likes to talk and has a lot of different interests that go um, a wide range. And so I think we delve into some of that here and there and uh, we get a lot of cool stuff and information from him on uh how he runs his business and how he gets his jewelry and designs it and all that. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, 
but I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it go. And um, oh, before <laughs> I I always gotta you know I like to talk about stuff in my intros. You know, so some people probably fast forward through my intro, which is totally fine. I do it to other podcasts. Um, <laughs> I will just skip until I hear what I want to hear and go right past the intro. But if you're listening to the intro, um, you get to hear some some information about you know previous guests on the show and uh Ru Ru <laughs> so hard to say and not to like to flub it but uh Ru Yori from uh, a couple episodes ago as y'all know that he was on a uh, American Ninja Warrior a couple weeks ago um if you follow us on Facebook you will find out that he did get through the first round so the second round is coming up um and hopefully hopefully fingers crossed you'll get to see him do his actual run um, now on the episode that he was on where he got through, he does appear on the show, just not his run. You'll see him on the sidelines cheering on some other ninjas. Um, one, one in particular, and I actually messaged, messaged Andrew when I was, uh, watching the episode. So he was on the sidelines watching, I forget the name of the ninja. Uh, I want to say the Swedish ninja. I might be wrong on that, but as he was getting over an obstacle he did an amazing save and got through the obstacle and like everybody was going nuts i messaged rue and i said i don't know how that dude did that that was amazing and he's like i i don't know either the guy's a beast <laughs> so at the very least you can see our friend on television on that episode um it is the last qualifying uh episode before they go into the i, I think it's the city finals I don't remember for sure, but <laughs> um, you'll see him again, hopefully running and getting a buzzer. So uh, that small recap aside, um, let's get into this episode. Studio D, they are in Woodstock. Uh, they are a jewelry store. Um, they have amazing custom stuff. Go check them out. Go see Tom and his crew down at Studio D. Um, they do just a lot of great things there. Um, and it's a pretty cool story. So I'm going to shut my mouth. Finally, you can stop fast forwarding through the intro and listen to this episode with Tom at Studio D. All right, Tom. So uh, thank you for having me in. And um, tell me about Studio D. Tell me, uh, it sounds like it might be a long story, but tell me how you started, uh, get how you got into the jewelry business. Oh, man, it's a, it's a long story. Uh, I hope you got some time, but... We got time. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a, actually, I'm a graduate of McHenry High School. Okay. I graduated McHenry High School in 1967 and then uh, went on and played some college football and... Uh, it was my senior year in college, and I'm a biology, chemistry, geology major. That's my, that's my background. Okay. And um, it's mid-December, mid and I'm, I need one more humanities course to, f to complete my degree. And I've been working on leather and doing some crafts on the side. And uh, I decided I want to take a metals course. Mm -hmm. So at Northern Illinois, I was finishing my degree up at Northern, and... Uh, I decided to walk across the campus and go see the art department. But I had been in anatomy and physiology at that time, so we, it was 7.30 to 11.30 was uh, 
dissection of human anatomy. Okay. So we roll a cadaver up out of the out of the solution and do your dissection and your identification and then go on. So I walked over to the art department and I went over there to think I, I thought I'd like to take some metal scores. And uh, I, first thing I walked in and I it had snowed, and you know we didn't have computers then. I mean I'm I'm old, so you know it's <laughs> one of those things. Right. And you had to sign up through the professor at that time, especially for the art. And I walked into the art building and I was trying to get my eyes adjusted. It had this early snow and had that little blindness that you get. You can't see very mm -hmm. well. And I looked into one of the rooms and there were 10, 20 people sitting behind podiums with all the lights out except a light on what they were working on at podium. And they kept looking up and looking down, looking up, looking down. And I finally had got my curiosity got enough and I looked in and in the far corner was this gorgeous, beautiful, nude co-ed okay and it was called life art drawing all right and i thought holy cow i need to be in this 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 is what i need i'm over there dissecting cadavers they're over here working with warm gorgeous bodies <laughs> so i thought i'd become an illustrating biologist and so i could draw nude pictures but that didn't work out very well i don't draw as well as i'd like to <laughs> but i went up to uh dr eleanor caldwell she was the head of the art department in metals Asked her, told her I was ready to, you know, take the course. And she said, okay, great. And halfway through signing me up, she said, um, do you have design and all the prerequisites? I said, I don't have any of those. I said, I'm a biology major. She <laughs> said, I can't let in this course. I said, what do you mean I can't let me in? I said, come on. I said, I just need one more humanities course. And she said, no, I can't do it. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll bring you three projects the first day. And if you like them, I stay. If not, I go. She said, okay. you, got a, you got a lot of guts. I said, you've already told me no twice. What's no three times? <laughs> she said, you're on. So I brought three projects in the first day in January, and she said, you're in. And that's how I started my metal scores. Okay. That's how I started into the jewelry. And it really predated. There, there's some actually uh, some experience prior to that. When I was in high school, there was a... Um, a business on Route 120 called um, McHenry Welding. And John Solschenberger was the owner of that, and he was making, he was repairing boat props. And I got curious in how he was welding them in and brazing them in, mm -hmm. and, and he taught me how to braze and weld, and heliarc weld. And so I took that, and that's what I used to make those three projects. And then from there I started. And um, I graduated that next semester, Took a job in Harvard, Illinois. Uh, I had a, I w I had a teaching degree also. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in college playing football, I, I failed my NC my Army physical on Wednesday, my NCAA my NCA physical on Thursday, and I found my dad had cancer on Friday. Oh man! And they said if you play football anymore, you're going to be in a wheelchair. Wow! So that's why I, I dropped out of school. Then I went back, finished at Northern. So. Um, I, I went into teaching because I said, do something you can do out of a wheelchair because that could get that bad. And I have a younger sister that is extremely crippled from the rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. So uh, unfortunately, I, I've not been had that infliction. It, it's caused some things for me, but not the degree of, of uh, incapacitation my sister has. So um, it started in, at 1516, getting interested in metals, carried it on when I was 19, 20, 21, and then uh, started teaching school. 
I was teaching uh, science, and then they uh, they get mandated they had to have art, so I started teaching science and art. Mm -hmm. But I was always doing my metal work at home, so I, I did. I worked out of a nine by uh, 17 foot room for 20 years by myself, okay. honing my skills. So what, what at this point, what, what are you welding? What am I doing now? Well, welding, what are you welding? Like you said, you were just... Well, that, that's what, when I was in high school or, or now? You said you were working in a, a nine by 17 room. Oh, that was making jewelry. That was making that jewelry. That was where I was okay. making my jewelry. Okay. I, I, that's where I honed my skills on how to carve wax, solder, set, things of that nature. Okay. So. Normally, you would go through a three or four year program to be a, a, a master jeweler. Uh, I had a little more than two semesters. Mm -hmm. and, okay. and then I had uh, some independent study. So everything that I've done has been self-taught. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what, why jewelry, though? Like, what, uh, what drew you to that? I don't know. Shiny objects, maybe. You know, <laughs> I don't. You know, I, I, I wish I could explain it. I mean, even today, now I'm 72. Um, I'm still active in designing. I'm still active in uh, looking at gems. My background, the geology side of it, um, helps me identify gems and buy gems. Mm -hmm. We're very unusual. We've traveled around the world buying gems where most people would never do that. They don't have enough expertise to trust what they're purchasing when, when they're out in the field. So Madagascar, uh, Burma, Thailand, Vietnam, things like that. So the geology parts served um, a, that portion of the jewelry very, very well. The uh, biology section gives me a lot in to design uh, fractals and all sorts of uh, concepts and ideas on how to work in design. It's symmetrical, asymmetrical balance. And then um, the chemistry portion is about the metallurgic. There's very... A lot of artists don't know the chemistry of what they're working with today. Mm -hmm. Years ago, they, they knew what it was to blend eggs with uh, other materials to make a, a binder that would hold paint to the wall or to, to a fresco or whatever. Today, we, we buy it off the shelf. We don't always understand the chemistry end of it. And for, for me, um, I understand the... Uh, proportions and the balancing of a, of a tank for plating or acid etching or photo engraving or, or how to blend metals to create new alloys. So it's an unusual combination. Mm -hmm. um, I'm right-brained, left-brained. So art side, science side, and then there's that mid -side, middle part which gets everything mixed up and it gets kind of confusing. <laughs> and that's where, uh, that's where the craziness happens. So that's pretty interesting. So, um, so like, like you just said, you got two different sides going on. How do you marry the two to really make something that you have on the shelf here or in the case here? Well, I think if you asked all, any one of my employees, they'll say I'm, I'm really ADD or ADHD or whatever, <laughs> whatever the D's are there. And now we're here, we're at the, this D here, mm -hmm. uh, you know, studio D and, um, I always tell them that I think they all say that D is for the for our last name Doherty, mm -hmm. and D is also for the color of the best diamond. The best diamond you can buy with is a D colored stone. And I always say that the third D is was my high school grades. I was in that <laughs> in that range, so it was a it was a struggle for me to to get through that and to get through college, but. 
to actually put it together in, in that, that sense that you're talking about why it happens and what happens, it's sometimes very difficult. You see things through your eyes and then it gets mulled in around in your head and then all of a sudden something comes out through your hands. And um, there's a lot of trial and error. Uh, use that uh, basis, for what, I, what I learned in science is that when we blend two things, sometimes we don't know what we're gonna get. So it's not a failure when, some, when you don't get what you think you're gonna get, it's just an experiment. So I think that's what's taken me to the degree I'm at now. I'm not by any means the best jeweler. I've got a jeweler here that runs circles around me right now. Um, that's probably good. <laughs> yeah. Um, from, the, from the jeweler standpoint, but from the, the technical side and blending materials or concepts, um, that's where I, that's where I excel. It's, it's what I call, what we call, what you'd really refer to as idea generation. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm come. I, um, the boys say we, no more designs, dad, you got 90,000, hundred thousand designs in your computer that you've designed. <laughs> um, so my interests go from, um, constructing a home. We built our own home. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't just build it, we designed it, we cut the lumber, we, we put it together, it took six years to build. And people go, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, you just put your head down, you focus, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a discipline that goes into that. Um, I smoke meats and cure meats, sometimes uh, three months, four months to get what you want, mm -hmm. to get down to that point. Um, I do photography, I design jewelry, I'm, I designed our, some of our buildings. So there's no one area that holds my particular interest all the time. So I don't know how it works, Matt. It's, it's, <laughs> it's unusual. It's, uh, I'm an anomaly. How's that? I'll, I'll take it. Uh, so you were, you were telling me before that you, do, you were starting this out basically just on your own. On my own, selling out of the house, uh, having appointments, people come to the home, um, one of a kind. I, I mean, I got people 40 years ago coming to me and saying, you built my wedding rings. Uh, yeah. I remember being out in the country out in the, I was, as I was teaching, I wasn't making any money. My, my whole first contract, um, this will be interesting was for $5,600. And I figured it out here a few months ago, I made $3 and 88 cents an hour teaching school. So it was, it was an earlier time, 1973. Right. But still, um, still underpaid as a teacher nowadays. Well, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I needed after we had uh, two, two children, uh, two sons, I needed to make more money. And um, I was working at the jewelry at, in the evenings. I was teaching during the day and we took on a Girl Scout camp uh, up on Strite Road. The uh, Sebequai Girl Scouts owned a 300 acre Girl Scout camp up there and they needed a, a site manager. So I uh, went up there and my wife and I, we lived there and we were site managers for 21 years. And so I worked out of that, out of the little garage there. Mm -hmm. That's where I started my, my jewelry business. So was it, was it primarily like when you started out for the most part door to door? I mean, no, it was people learning who I was and, and calling me and saying, I hear you're a jeweler. I need some custom work. 99% of my work was custom. Okay. And then, yeah, about 1990, I started saying I need to do something other than custom. Uh, it wasn't enough work. Mm -hmm. So I, I started looking at 
how do I do production? And so today, the, the retail jewelry store that we're here in today, Studio D, is only one portion of our business. We have Doherty Enterprises, which, which owns the Thumby Corporation, and we do 300 pieces a day going out, out of there. And okay. that go worldwide. So we developed a process, and we call it, uh, we, we, our manufacturing is really around production custom. We make a production piece, but we can customize it to each individual person. So that's grown substantially. So we employ, I want to say we're real close to 50 or 52 people right now. Okay, wow. So what you see in Studio D is kind of the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. uh, 90% is behind the scenes. We, um, we don't, there virtually isn't anything we have to go out to... Uh, procure um, leather, gold, silver, and gold chains, things like that. But we do most of our manufacturing, and we build our own findings and all sorts of things in our manufacturing facility. Okay. So how did you take it from just you kind of designing, getting customers to where we are today? What, what does that journey look like? Woo. Uh, well, I took my first... Um, I would always take apprentices on and teach them jewelry, and then they would go off on their own. And I had a young lady come to me, and she was work. She she was a sign painter, and I said, "Come on over, and I'll teach you jewelry, apprentice." And so she was there six months, and at six months, I said, "Come on, you're good enough. I'll hire you." Okay. And so that was my first first employee, and then um, we needed to do something else than try to just be out in. In, in the countryside, I'm nine miles from Harvard, nine miles from Woodstock. I'm right in the middle between. Yeah. So it's, it, it's not easy to attract a customer out there. People would say, we're going where? And they start driving down a quarter mile gravel road to get to my house. And they're like, this is crazy. So um, we decided to take it into a retail end. And we had looked for buildings for, we, we had, placed the bids on five or six buildings and finally we we picked up the building on the square which was uh 110 benton and that's where we started our retail and we opened that with um all only our only our work uh, mm -hmm. when i say ours uh with sherry Wirfs and i were uh she was the, the young lady that was working for me then uh we had produced a line of jewelry Brass, bronze, copper, silver. Um, we didn't even have enough money for gold. Okay. So I opened that store with just all handmade jewelry, one diamond and one ounce of gold. And that's how we started. Uh, what, what year would you say that was? 1992. 1992, okay. Um, and so that was not this building? No, just a few doors down. This okay. is 118. We're at, we're at 110. Okay. We would have gone back into 110, but... Um, when we decided to move the jewelry store, we, we were originally out here on the square at 110. And then in 2008, we moved out to Catalpa, out across from Menards on Route 14. Okay. And we were there uh, until just recently. And then we decided to downsize it in the pandemic, bring it back to the square. And then we took our, our major jewelry store out there and we used it. We've turned that into our corporate headquarters. So, um, so you got that little bit of a transitional period. Mm -hmm. Now we're back on the square. 
Hey, it's Erica with McHenry County Living. If you're like me, you're always wondering what's going on this weekend? Where are we going to take the kids? What kind of shows and events and festivals are coming up? Well, look no further than The Weekender. It comes out every first Wednesday of the month. All you have to do is subscribe at mchenrycountyliving.com slash The Weekender. Okay. So you guys, um, I mean, like you said, you're not just a jewelry store. So um, you you got the retail location mm-hmm. uh, and then you moved over here at some point. So uh, wh- now when did it become something bigger than just a jewelry store and, and how did it come to be that way? Because you said you, you've been traveling to get the gems and stuff like that, different countries. That That's all, all the, those gems and that type of thing falls into the retail custom side of our business. Um, we started manufacturing and we, we started looking at how to build pieces. And we had a gentleman uh, come to us and said, can you guys cast? And we said, sure, that's what we do every day. And so he, he asked us to cast some pieces and we did. And it was called Meadow Hill at that time. And the gentleman, he wasn't a jeweler or anything. He found, he just took his thumbprint, put it in a piece of wax and had that thumbprint and wanted it cast and, and he was selling those. So you'd take your aunt or uncle, grandmother, mother, brother, sister, and take that deceased person, push their finger into a wax, soft piece of wax, and it was cast for them. So they have a daily reminder of that individual. Okay. Well, we had already started making, doing manufacturing prior to that, but he brought it to us and we were doing 25 pieces a week for him. And I said, this isn't a sustainable business. This isn't, this is, this is not, you can't grow this exponentially the way you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So over the next six months, we designed a method that we use today uh, to capture the print, make it, and design it. And in 2005, um, he, was, he decided he wanted to sell. And so we bought Meadow Hill, then, what was then Meadow Hill. And since we have transitioned it over to uh, Thumby Corporation, mm-hmm. so um, that's a, those are thumbprints and fingerprints that we do, and we have a series of of products in that end. So, as the jewelry store stands, the jewelry store is the, is the finesse. It's it's the it's the capacity to do the best work you can you can find out there. And when I say that, we had a gentleman come in here who had been to Chicago, been to Tiffany's, been to Cartier's, been to the, the jewelers downtown, and they said, this can't be built in the United States. This is something that comes from Europe. And somebody told the gentleman, he came in here and sat down with my son, and he gave him, I think there was something like 17 pages of the designs. This gentleman is an architect and designed a beautiful ring. He had a stone that he wanted put in the center. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we, we designed it, we didn't design it, we built what he wanted. And he was amazed. So what I've always worked on in, in the philosophy of this business is we don't use the word can't. Mm-hmm. That word doesn't exist. We don't know how, we're not sure, we don't understand, but once you tell us what you want, how are we gonna get it done, how are we gonna do it? So that's where that whole science art end of things gets kind of mixed up into that blended into this um this mesh (laughs) of things that go on in my head Mm -hmm. and even today my my staff is like 
I know there's times they cringe when I walk when I walk in because they know I'm coming with new concepts, new designs, new new ideas, and and I push on that. So um, that's what's pushed us into the manufacturing. So we started out with with 25 pieces a week. We got it up there. Now we're at 300, sometimes 350, 400 pieces a week, and it's it's just ignited this company and grown. That's one portion of this. We also have we have Thumbies, we have Buddies, we have a Phoenix line, uh, we have a, um, a another line called Armada, and we are going to launch. We've been predominantly Matt in the what we call Dead Nation, mm-hmm. and that we've been servicing the funeral homes and people that have lost a loved one. In the next year, we're going into what we call the Live Nation. So we have all new products. So we're 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 servicing the whole uh, pet industry now. Oh, okay. So I, I mean, it's it gets quite extensive. Wow. Uh, as far as the design and creation of pieces for customers, how how do you guys do that? I mean, you, like you said, you had one that was an architect, so they had a lot of design elements in it. But is, you know, for someone who comes in and says, "I have an idea of what I want it to look like," but I, I, where do you take that from there? Well, for this is my experience. This is what would happen from if you asked me. I would look at you and say, "Are you white gold or yellow gold? What, what color metal?" Well, a person would say, "Well, I'm not sure." Well, we start talking about the differences. Uh, they might say, "I want a combination, a, a two tone." Mm-hmm. If I they say white, I can eliminate yellow gold. I can go to white gold, silver, or or platinum. Are you going to wear it every day? What do you? What's your? Where's your budget? Mm-hmm. So might we wind up in white gold. Now I start asking, are you symmetrical or asymmetrical? We start going through the design concept. Do you want stones? If you want, if you want a center stone, uh, today you can use a center stone for an engagement as a diamond. It can be a sapphire. It can mm-hmm. be anything today because people are breaking the rules. But if I do a, a sapphire to center, do I want a complementary color, other colored sapphires around that stone, or do I want a contrasting color? Mm-hmm. So I walk them right through the design phases and you'd be surprised what what the customer knows when you explain to them the process they know what they want and once that happens then we today I don't do this anymore I'm not here on a daily basis it goes between Brett my son and the salespeople here uh, Sonia and and, um, Matus and Tracy and and then we get some concepts. We have a CAD designer who can now take this instead of, I used to have to hand carve everything. Okay. Now today we can grow stuff and growing it is one thing, but we still can hand carve. Mm -hmm. So it would go down to John and John could come up with an idea. Uh, B, our jeweler who is unbelievable, he'll, he'll sit down and carve a piece. And if it's, if it's got to be one off or something like that, we can do it. So we can hand carve it. We can we can do a CAD model of it. We can grow it, and growing it is three D printing, and okay. then we we do the casting and the fabrication. So how much of that can do? You, do you personally still do any of that, or you leave it to to them? They're... You know, I've left it to them. Um, what happens for me now, Matt, is I'm at home. Um, in the well, evening. It sounds like you're all over the place, honestly. 
<laughs> I am. I am. I am all over the place. Uh, we're working on a expansion of manufacturing, designing a new facility there, working with the city and on layouts and Commonwealth Edison. Um, the photographs that you see in here are all mine. This is a, the first time I've ever taken uh, some of the photographs from around the world. Uh, this happens to be just a group of photographs of the hoarfrost we had here in February, uh, okay. December, February. We had some beautiful uh, three days of hoarfrost that grew on the trees. Um, so I'm still actively designing at home. I'm, I, I can go on a what so-called vacation and come back with 300 drawings. Yeah. Uh, so the problem we have at this time is not that we're going to ever starve to death for lack of ideas or designs. We're going to choke ourselves on too much. <laughs> so our manufacturing is running extremely well. Um, we've had uh, we've had great luck at picking up a uh, gentleman, uh, Mike Baldwin, who is who just runs a phenomenal operation over there and his team is they're they're connected they're they're i won't call them all artists they're all some of them are really technically uh, acute in what they do but they're really well focused and as technicians and then as they grow as those technicians i always see the art end coming out yeah. and they start connected and they work uh, they're they're a phenomenal group to watch to 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 see them in action, and um, they problem solve together, work together, and uh, that's all attributed to Mike Baldwin, who runs that whole division. And um, we've just been able to make some great strides in the in the past several years uh, of moving up as a company that has some legitimacy in the jewelry industry. So. When you are uh, when you're going out and you're going to Taiwan or something like that or wherever you're buying yeah. your gems, right? I probably named the worst place in the world. No, I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, <laughs> I don't know where you get gems. I'm just it, throwing it. It, <laughs> it could be it could be Africa. It could be Sri Lanka. It could be South America. It could be anywhere. When you go to Sri Lanka to go find some gems, what what is it that you're looking for? Um, and I mean, is, is this already a contact you had out there, or is this just through the you're venturing through the world of jewelry that you found? Well, the first time it was a venture because I didn't know anything. Okay. I went to Thailand the first time and um, I was lucky I got out of there with anything because I knew nothing. Um, I had a, we had a great experience. My uh, son and I traveled uh, three weeks in Madagascar in 2005. Uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit, mm -hmm. we were we were out in the, out in the what most people refer to as the bush, um, chasing gems. We were in the mining fields. Uh, there was a point in which we had to carry guns because it was that scary. Uh, you could get robbed, hmm. and um, so we would buy some some stuff. We were buying rough. Um, we'd buy a lot of finished goods. You have to negotiate on price. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to know. Now we went there because of a dear friend of mine. His name was Jim Feebig, and unfortunately, he's not with us any longer. He's he passed a few years ago, and Jim was just mesmerized with Madagascar, and so he said, "Come on, come on over." So we went, and when we traveled with, uh, we had a driver, 
Brett, myself, and Jim, and we traveled for three weeks and went from one end of the country to the other. We did everything from see lemurs to chameleons to uh, the gem fields to down at the rivers where the crocodiles are still swimming and took a couple miners right off of the beach mm. just before we got there to to everything. It was It was amazing to see and see the culture and the people. So whenever we travel that way, it's always, um, it's, it's much more than just going on a buying trip. It's, it's learning how to immerse yourself into the culture and to truly see what's happening with, with the people from that region. So uh, we always bring back stories. We brought back a lot of memorabilia. Sometimes we would bring, in Thailand I brought back machetes and hatchets and uh, uh, rice knives and different things mm -hmm. that were culturally used that, that are beautiful art, pieces of art. And um, so we'd share those with the public whenever we bring them back. We'd have a, we had a Burma night where we sold all, all the kind of uh, memorabilia that we brought back along with gems. So it was, it's, it's quite extensive. There's, there's, it, it, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it's, it's an adventure. It's, it's a risk reward relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get, I got to, every time I've traveled, I've been taken. Somebody is better than you are with what they know and what, and how they do it. Uh, I bought five beautiful red rubies and got away with only four. And the guy opened the package the last time and I know what he did. He rolled one into his palm and, and threw a synthetic in there because I was sure what I bought when, when it was first up. So I, I only got four out of five. Um, bought sapphires in, in Alakaka in Madagascar and they turned out to be fake. Hmm. And uh, halfway back to the capital, we looked at each other and said, those are fake. And, and we finally said, they can't be real. They're, they're, the price was too good. And we got back, and sure, sure enough, the Gemological Institute of America has a lab set up there, and it took them a while, and they said, they are good fakes. You know you guys were taken, but they're fakes. Hmm. So, the, the, When you uh, do travel like that, does that happen often, or is it just kind of a rare occasion? No, like, no, you, you, plan, you plan every time somebody's going to get you. Or you gonna, need to like, really you. know what you're doing. Somebody's going to get you. You know, you've got to take... Uh, fluids with you to, to weigh to make sure that the density is right. You got to take a microscope with you. You got to take some light with you, and there's always somebody who's doing something that's mm -hmm. new that you haven't seen. Uh, De Beers imported uh, three or four years. Um, lab created gems. Lab created diamonds into this country before they ever caught them. Mm -hmm. And so every there's always something new and somebody better than you, and uh, to know everything you need to know about the gemological end of it takes a while. Um, so how long, how long did it take you to really be an expert on gems and jewelry and so on? Well, I'm 72 and I don't know that I even consider <laughs> myself an expert it? at it yet. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's a lot of knowledge, but I don't know about the expertise end of it. Okay. Um, so 72, uh, is there a retirement in the future or, or this is, you're still enjoying what you're doing, don't need to? Well, I'm, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be healthy, uh, still love the design. I'm, I'm, I probably work till 11, 30, 12 every night. 
desi either designing, looking up concepts, um, looking at technology, uh, trying to understand new materials. What, what can we bring into the jewelry industry that hasn't been there? How do we uh, exponentially change the materials that we have that gives it a new look? New processes, acid etching, you know, sandblasting. I mean, there's no end to it. And mm -hmm. that creativity is, it's great to see a, a finished product come out and see what it looks like. What would you say has changed uh, in the jewelry industry over your time? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's a ton as far as technical <laughs> stuff, but like something that I, I, the general consumer might see. Well, when you first start out, you have to solder things together. And when you're soldering most pieces together, and it's a multiple piece, say it's a 30 piece, uh, there's 30 parts to this particular piece of jewelry you're making. When you heat it up, solder, if you aren't careful, if you soldered one place and you go to solder the next, you can overheat it and the other piece can fall off. We had to do some incredible um, ways of holding pieces so that you could solder multiple, multiple ends. And in 1973, they introduced, um, uh, not 73, I'm sorry, 19, uh, 2000, well, let's see, 92, yeah, it'd be 1993. Um, we brought in lasers. I went to Vegas, uh, walking through the Vegas uh, GIA, and the show, what we call JCK, Jeweler Circular Keystone, has the largest show for the retail industry for wholesale buying. Tools, gems, um, you name it, it's there. And I was walking out, and a guy grabbed me and said, take a look at this. I said, I don't have any time. i got to catch a plane. He said, give me three minutes. And he showed me what a laser would do. And that's a welding laser. So when you attach those two pieces, they're not soldered, they're welded. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the heat stays local. So I could tack weld everything together. And then if I had to solder, I went back and just touch soldered them real easy. Nothing would fall off. Mm -hmm. Welding is, is where you make it homologous. It, it actually blends and goes together. So that was the start. And I bought one of those. I want to, I know what it was. It was $35,000 for that piece of equipment. And, um, People said, are you crazy? And I said, what do you mean? I said, I have to solder every day. I have to fix every day. And I said, you know, if, I, if you were a carpenter, you, what do you have to do every day? You have to have a hammer. You got to pound a nail. Mm -hmm. What if I could put a, a, a tool in your hand that you could shoot nails at a phenomenal rate? And that's what a, a nail gun does. Mm -hmm. Well, now, now a fellow can put a wall together, which is fairly straightforward and simple, but now it gives him time to do other things and, and to, to hone his craft. So I, I bought it right away. Uh, came home, got it, went to the bank, borrowed the money, and put a laser in. Today we own one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We own nine, nine or ten lasers, but all different kinds because we use them at that high level of technology. Again, not all of them are, are intended for the jewelry industry. So that's where my science takes it. It, it bends mm -hmm. it. it. It We look at how we can blend with that and make it work. So lasers would be the first real big breakthrough that I think. Now you, you don't walk into a jewelry, jewelry store if they, if they don't have a laser there. 
they're antiquated. So uh, let's talk about Studio D as far as what else, the other companies that are out there. Why, why come here? What's, what's gonna, what stands out for Studio D? Well, we're real jewelers. We don't just put a sign up and say jewelry. Anybody can put a sign up and say I'm a jeweler. You take anyone out there. Come on over here. You, you sit down with Brett. You sit down with me. You sit down with, with John Christensen. You sit down with uh, B. We're jewelers. We know how to design and, and, and manipulate and, and uh, make those metals do what we need to do. So as I told you previous, they said can't be done in the States. Send it to Europe. And we did that. We did that right here in house. So nothing has to leave us here. I, I re that's really a fallacy. I shouldn't say that. We don't repair watches here. It's not something we do. But there's no there's there's no chain or setting or design or uh, process that you want designed, built, or repaired that we can't do. And we've prided ourselves on that. That's where I started. Brett is at the bench. That's my son. B is phenomenal. I mean, he he'll run circles around me. He's he's is he, something else to watch. We love him for that. Uh, John Christensen has built his own jewelry, and, and he's a CAD and designer there. So you're talking to real jewelers making real jewelry every day. And I and we stand behind our stuff. I I've stood behind things that are 25, 30 years old. People walk in and go, I'm having a problem. It's got done take care of it so it's it's that trust that you build we have a program here it's called they, they they finally put a name on it. it's called buy to borrow for years um if you were in a, a uh, gal and she's getting you're getting engaged and she gets engaged we tell her that on her before, wedding day she gets to take anything she wants out of the store that we have in stock she can wear for her wedding. We not only do it for her, but we can do it for the bride's mother and the groom's mother. It's a special day. Mm -hmm. And people go, how can you do that? And I go, it's very easy. They've learned to trust us for what we do. They trust that we are giving them the best quality, that we're, so we stand behind what we do. We trust them the same way. So it becomes, they become a, a member of our family. It's not just, it's not just a transaction and I think that's what you see in this country right now, a lot of it, is it's strictly a transaction. This is not that type of thing. Jewelry is a product of the heart. When you give a piece of jewelry, you, you're, you're giving it for, usually for a special occasion, a graduation, a birthday, a wedding, an anniversary, it, it goes on. So we understand what that's about. And Matt, that, that, that got me probably a six months into opening the jewelry store working with the public i was in the back making some jewelry and my wife comes back and hands me a ring and says can we fix this and i look at it and i looked at her and i said this is a this is a ring from a carnival this is a brass gold-plated piece it's rhinestones and somebody stepped on it some of the rhinestones are gone they're going to be hard to match she said would you talk to the young lady so i said absolutely so I walked out and young ladies out there and I walked up I said excuse me is this your ring and she says it is and I'm holding it in my, in my hand and I said I really hate to tell you this but this is not worth repairing 
She reached out, she put her hand on it, and she jerked it out of my hand with his, all the force she could have. She looked at me and she said, who in the hell are you to tell me what that's worth? That was my mom's, and she died two weeks ago. And Matt, at that moment, I realized it was never about the quality of the stone, the size of the stone, the cost of the stone, the cost of the metal. It wasn't about the monetary end. It was about the memories and, and the portion of the heart of what it, when the person received it and why it was given. So we don't care if we're selling a pair of $30 earrings or a $30,000 diamond. It's all the same for us. It's a product of the heart. And if you keep that in mind, that, that that's what you're doing for the customer, that's, that's the most important thing I think you can, you can do. I, l I like the way you explained that. That was great. I, I, beautiful way of saying that. Um, I have one last question for you. Sure. Uh, if we talk to Tom back in high school, does he see this path that you've taken? <laughs> Matt, I was, uh, I was one of nine kids, right? And, and I, you may have thought I was joking a little bit, but I was a terrible student. I had uh, 64 offers to play college football. Um, most people don't look at me as a jeweler at six foot four, 260 pounds. You know, that's not a jeweler. Guys, jewelers are small. Um, athletics kept me interested. Uh, and um, I had to go to a junior college. And I went to junior college, got my grades up and did that. And then uh, went in and, and, you know, lost my scholarship from, I played at Oklahoma. Um, and I was playing with some great guys, a Heisman Trophy winner, and some All-Americans that were just phenomenal. It was, a, it was a phenomenal opportunity, but it didn't work out the way I thought it would. So did I ever look at this as, as a, an entrepreneurial spirit that direction? No. Um, did I ever dream, you know, I, I see hear these kids say, I want to be a veterinarian, and they start out at six, they want to be a veterinarian, and at 36, they're veterinarians. Yeah. That's, not, that's not me. I didn't, I didn't have a clue where I was going. Athletics kept me focused and interested in school and kept that going, and it got me to the point where I could finish school and the discipline of doing school. Um, you know, I think we're disillusioned today that college is the only way you're going to get ahead. And I don't believe that that's true. Um, you know, education is, is phenomenal. And it, we continue to learn our whole lives and, and continue to work at that. But, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to have a, the athletic part of me got me through school. Uh, but I'm not sure that, that I wouldn't have done this had I even not gone to school. Just happened to that those are how the opportunities worked. So, you know, I, no, I didn't have a, my eye set on this. I didn't understand what uh, a diamond was or ruby or um, spinel or corundum or any of those. I don't know what all those well, are either. Well, corundum is sapphire <laughs> rubies, you know. So, I, no, I didn't have that. I didn't have that, that end. Um, it's just interesting that you talk about this. Out of my nine brothers and sisters, uh, you know, six or seven of us have all been entrepreneurial. So where did that come from? I don't know if it came from my parents or, or what. But uh, fortunate enough to stay focused. Um, I, I think my, my true attribute is, is tenacity to keep moving forward. 
uh, whether it's adverse conditions or you know the best sailing that you have and the flat flat water and great wind um, it's just staying with the process and um, as I tell my wife I wish we had the success when I was 42 not 72 <laughs> so you know it's 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 great to be where we're at today but it's truly cannot be just on my shoulders it's on the shoulders of a great staff that we have now and the people that have been here before because i've had some great apprentices i've got some great people out there that have gone on to higher things than i've ever done working for unbelievable people so it's it's always that um that group of people that mentors that you have around you uh, and the people that help guide you and get you to see things in a different light. So it really is a, a team effort that, I, that we're here. My wife, um, you know, she, she uh, is kind of a real quick, a little interesting side story. I was hired at, in Harvard to teach junior high and a gentleman was on the school board, his name was Jim Book and he was a farmer, large farmer up in, in Harvard. And one day I asked him, how do you got, how do you, when did he really make it? And he said, age 35. And he has a whole story behind that. Mm -hmm. Do another podcast on that one sometime. <laughs> but uh, I was coming up on my 35th birthday, about four or five days away from it. And I said, I got another hour's worth of work. I'm going from the house down to my little shop at the Girl Scout camp. And uh, I got down there and looked around and thought about the time and closed everything up, came up five minutes later. And she said, you're done? And I said, yep, I'm done. I said, we can go to bed. And she said, good, we can go to bed. And she's, she's perpendicular to me. She's not even looking at me. And I said, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going back to school next year. I'm quitting. Hmm. And she said, okay. So without that unconditional um, trust in who, in who I was, to do what I, I needed to do to, to keep going, because we, we had kids then. We, we didn't we weren't, still weren't making any money. Mm -hmm. uh, without her, I, this never would have been anything. It really became, a, it's a team effort. She's, um, she's the spiritual side of everything. Everybody loves her. They tolerate my ass. You know, so, uh, yeah. you know, you got, you got those two sides. <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. So that's where we've come from. Matt, I, I hope this is... Uh, been enlightening or, or helpful or I hope this inspires somebody or or whatever I don't know well it was an enjoyable story I appreciate you um, telling it to me and uh, sitting down and taking the time well I can tell you a whole bunch of other ones because I, there's a whole bunch that we've uh, we, we've been able to build over the years that are a lot of fun and uh, as my grandfather always used to say yeah if it's your story it's all about your story so embellish the hell out of it and make it a good story so there, there you go. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you much for having me. I appreciate everything. And uh, All right. thanks again, Tom. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So I think you guys are probably thinking the same thing I was during this uh, interview with Tom is I, I was just waiting for the blood diamond story, right? Like some Indiana Jones thing where he's grabbing some diamonds and running. <laughs> um, uh, it was really cool to listen to. Um, I, I literally was thinking that the entire time. I was just waiting for it um, as I was asking different questions and seeing if we would get there. <laughs> um, but yet, uh, I thank you to Tom for 
sitting down with me uh, was a really cool story. Uh, thank you to Jen for connecting me with Tom and uh, some of our other businesses that we got coming up um, that are going to be uh, in in season three. So um, the Studio D's in that Woodstock Square area, very cool little place where uh, Woodstock Pride was held and many other functions. But then we also got a lot of great businesses down there uh, in that in the Woodstock Square. So uh, Studio D is one of them. So guys, uh, again, thank you for listening. You know I appreciate it. I say it all the time, but it's just really cool to get feedback from you guys, get emails from you um, at leftatthelightpod at gmail.com. Uh, it's fun to read those. And uh, and uh, the Facebook um, interaction as well. Uh, liking the posts, commenting on the posts, uh, sharing the posts. Um, that's all appreciated because, you know, like I, like I've said before and in the past, and I will continue to say, uh, this podcast is, it's really just a fun hobby for me, but it's something for the community for McHenry County and the businesses to help promote them and, uh, get people to hear their stories and maybe, uh, grab some new customers here and there. So, uh, again, if you guys, if you have a business, if you're starting a business, email me left at light pod at gmail.com would love to talk to you have you guys on um, i know some new businesses that are starting up that i've been hearing about that people are so excited about so um i i personally will reach out when i can but it helps when you guys suggest them or if you are a business or um we'd like we had an author we had an american ninja warrior on if you guys have something like that um find me and uh, we will get that done, I promise. So um, next episode, we got McHenry County Living coming up with Erica. Um, got to sit down with her. And uh, that's going to be coming up for you guys in the last episode of the season. Um, again, of course, McHenry County Living being our sponsor. Thank you to them. Thank you to Studio D. Thank you to you guys for listening. That's it. I think that's all I got. Um, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day or night or whatever time it is. We'll talk to you guys next time. My name is Matt. This was Left at the Light.